I love that movie. Are you patient? Yeah. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians thirteen four says, "Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud." This morning we're going to continue our series, Forty Days of Love, and we're going to learn some important lessons about loving others. The Bible says that love is patient. I think patience is one of those things that all of us, I don't care who you are. Some of you are more patient than others, though. But no matter who you are, you want to become more patient. You want patience to be a larger part of your character. You want to continue to develop your character and be more of a, a loving and patient person. I think we all feel that way. So before I begin, let's just define what is patience. Okay, we're not going to get all the details, but Webster tells us it's bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint, being steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Patience is stronger in those who can control their attitude. Really, it's one of those things that if we can control our attitude and and, and how we react, the people who are patient see life and people from eternal perspective. They have the ability to step back and to see life and to see other people and their circumstances from a different perspective. They they have the ability, and I've I've studied this in people's lives. They have the ability to see it, um, see people through God's eyes, um, through through the eyes of love. They see the positive in the midst of um, negative circumstances or um, events that surround their lives. They can kind of take a step back. And where most people just see the negative, they are able to see the positive, even in the difficulties that they face in their lives day to day when something happens to them with their family, something happens at work. I mean, honestly, how many of you are in awe sometimes of people who are able to keep their cool when they're under pressure? who don't emotionally react when something goes wrong. They're, they're able to see things from that different perspective. You know, it, here's what you want to do in life. If, if you're struggling with patience, one of the things you can do is to find someone who doesn't struggle in that area and study them, watch them. Just like parenting. When I was, when I was younger and we first had our children, what I would do is I would pick out certain families that seemed to have it together. Um, and I would just try to mimic what they were doing. I'd talk to them, try to understand them. It's the same thing with patience. If you find someone who has a quality that you lack, 
What you want to do is you want to, you want to mimic that person. You want to ask that person. You want to study that person. You want to try to become, because that person has captured that Christ-likeness, if you will, in that area. And if it's something you're struggling with, then you want to learn how they became more Christ-like in that area. So how can you, really the question this morning is, how can, how can you, how can I become more patient and have the right attitude with the people who cause you um, problems and stress, right? How, how do we do that? How do we handle that in life? We, there are so many people around us, and there are certain people that just rub us the wrong way. Certain situations just rub us the wrong way, like some of you in the car, you know? Just not very good in the car, uh, and, and so how can you learn to be more patient with the people who cause you problems and stress and the situations that cause you problems and stress? Okay, so first, you need to allow God to do his work in your life. Let him develop you into a more patient and loving person. Now, what I'm going to describe to you is sometimes difficult to understand and even more difficult for, for us to apply, all right? So you got to kind of walk with me in this one. Um, you need to ask God to provide you with opportunities for you to grow in this area. Yeah, I'm, that's the direction I'm going. All right, because some people, when they pray, if they have something in their lives, they pray, God, you know, take this away from me, or God, don't let me get myself in a situation that I have to, whatever. God, you know, please help me avoid. And I'm telling you to do the opposite. I'm telling you to pray that God would put you in situations or around people who really get on your nerves. And I want pray about it, and then, and then you pray in the beginning of the day, and then you, and you just say, God, I'm so excited about that really rotten person you're going to put in my life to make me more patient today. Anticipate God's going to push that person in your life, or God's going to put you in that situation, maybe in the car or standing online or whatever else. I have one of, for me, you know, I go on, and I'm online. I'll tell you what's really, all right, here's a little pet peeve of mine now. I want to go back to when you went to the movies, you walked up, and you said, I want to see this movie. Give me my ticket. I'll go find my own seat. Okay? I'm, I'm telling you. Oh, okay, God's working on this. So I'm online. There's like two people in front of me. And it's like the movie's about to start, and they're standing there like, well, what, what seat would you like? And they pull the screen up, and they're, well, where's the screen? Well, the screen's up here. I know the screen is when I get in there and find my seat, but on the, sc- on the, on the computer, and then the person's like, well, I think I want to sit over here. Well, no, no, maybe I'm more in the middle. Well, maybe more in the front seat. And they stand there for five minutes trying to pick out their seat while I'm online. I'm sorry. This bothers me. Okay, I just want to go buy my ticket and find my I am capable of finding my own seat. Are you? Okay, this is driving. You're all like, I'm not sure. Are you guys with me on this one? Have you been to the movies lately? Now, now, now I'm spoiled because I want the seat to go up, right? I want my feet to be roll up. I want my snack. I want people to bring me my food. That's great. But this whole picking your seat thing. All right, I got to calm down. All right, so. These are areas of our lives that God will put us in those situations so that he can strengthen us in those areas. 
ask God to bring circumstances into your life that will help you, that will, will actually help you become more patient, that will help you rely on him. Lord, let me just relax while I'm on this line. Lord, me get, that will help you rely on him, that will make you more like him. How would Jesus handle that situation online? How would Jesus handle that, that situation in the car? How would Jesus handle that situation at work when you're confronted by someone or dealing with someone who makes you really frustrated? Love needs to be tested in order for it to be real. It needs to be tested. In Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, and who have been called according to his purpose. That, that basically, basically tells us, no matter what circumstances, that God allows to come into our lives, no matter how challenging the trial or the circumstance or the storm that we're facing, God can use that to bring about good in our lives. No matter what trials, no matter what storms, no matter what difficulties, no matter what line, no matter what car, no matter what person... God can use that situation, that difficult situation to bring good into our lives, molding us and making us more like him through the process. Pray that God would put you through a patience process. That's what you want to pray, that God would put you through that patience process. process. Now, next you need to do your part. So you pray that God, God will do his part. I promise you, if you pray for patience, God is going to do his part. But then you have to do your part. When we're faced with a test or a trial or a test, we need to pass. We need to pass. If you want to become more loving, you're going to have to be more patient. You're going to have to pass that test when God brings it to you. We need to see the trial and the storms through, through the eyes of faith and trust that God is going to use those circumstances to make us better people. He's going to use that circumstance to make me a better person. God works out all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The, the trials, the difficulties, the tests, all those things are working for our good if we see it from that perspective through God's lenses, if you will. Now, there are three steps that you can take that will help you to respond okay, to every circumstance with patience. Three circumstances. Three steps. Number one, remember to major on the majors. Don't major on the minors. Some, some of you, honestly, you, you, major on the, you major on the majors and then you major on the minors as well. Everything, you're letting everything get to you. You're letting every comment that someone says, every little situation, it's, it's, getting, it's getting to you. See life through God's eyes. Try to step back and see life through God's eyes. I keep saying this. Try to see life from an eternal perspective, not just from the here and now, but from an eternal perspective. Seek God's wisdom when faced with life's, life's challenges, when faced with life's issues. Seek God's wisdom. I love this passage in Proverbs 19.11. It says that a man's wisdom gives him patience. A person's wisdom, when you seek God's wisdom, see it through God's eyes because that gives us patience. It is to his glory to, to overlook an offense. 
let that song sort of go in your mind. Let it go, let it go, right? Let it go. Honestly, some, some of us need to let these little minor things that are, that we, we, you know, we can't even relax and enjoy ourselves. We stress ourselves out with every little minor thing. What he's saying is don't sweat the small stuff here. I mean, there's enough in life to really, really difficult things to deal with. You can't sweat the small stuff. So major on the majors. Number two, deepen your love. Deepen your love. Love, love is a patience builder. It, is, it, it basically builds our patience. When you are filled with love, almost nothing is going to irritate you. Hear me out. When you're filled with love, almost nothing is going to irritate you. When you're filled with anger, almost everything is going to irritate you. When you're filled with love, almost nothing's going to irritate you. When you're filled with anger, almost anything is going to irritate you. I would say our country is filled with anger. Filled with anger. If you are a certain age, you, you, can, you can back me up on this one. In your whole life, have you ever seen so much anger in this country? We are, and, and because of our anger, we're irritated by everything. Any little thing that's said by this side or that side or him or her or whatever else, we're angered. We're angered by everything. The hatred, I'm going to use that word, the hatred is overwhelming. The hate is overwhelming. I said last week, love is a verb. Hate is a verb too. And it comes out in our actions. Love comes out in our actions. Hate comes out in our actions as well. We are irritated because of our anger. We're irritated by almost everything. Impatience says more about you. I want you to realize this. Impatience and that hate says more about you than it does the other person. Well, the reason I'm, I'm impatient, the reason I, because of you know, whatever that, that, I can't believe whatever. Impatience, okay, when God is looking at this from God's perspective, impatience says more about you than it does about the other person. We must learn to love like Jesus loved. We have to, guys, we really need to, we really need to see this. In a world filled with so much anger, in a world filled with so much hate, we need to be sanctified in this area. The Christians need to be sanctified in this area. You say, what the heck does that mean? We need to be set apart in this area. We need to be set apart by God in this area. Set apart. A Christian should not have an us and them mentality when it comes to loving other people. And that is what's happening even in the church, even around Christianity. We, we, we're getting sucked into, okay, this, this evil, if you will, us and them mentality. Where we're pitted against each other. Democrats and Republicans, men and women, these people, this race and that race, and we're, we're being pitted against each other. We have to be, we, as followers of Jesus, following his example, need to be set apart in this area. We can't get caught up in what the world's getting caught up in. We cannot dislike this group of people because we're, we're, these pe- we're, we're, we're in this political agenda, or we have this political, or we have this whatever, and so I'm in this box, and so I don't like those people, or I hate those people. And we don't, we don't ever want to say we hate someone, but honestly, you watch the news or whatever, someone says something, and you know that's the feeling that you're having inside. Hatred. You hate them. 
Hate is a verb. It's lived out in our lives. We have to be, we have to separate ourselves from the world when it comes to this. We, we cannot, cannot have an us and them mentality in loving others. We need to work on this. We really need to work on this because if this world's ever going to change, someone, something's got to give. Someone needs, someone needs to start stepping up and saying, no matter how much I disagree with your lifestyle, no matter how much I disagree with your political view, no matter how much I disagree with, with this or that or the other thing, you, stop. you can't hate them. You can't hate people. The only thing that's going to change and transform someone is not your fantastic arguments. It's going to be the way you treat them, the way you love them, and you express them. Look at every, I mean, even people like Gandhi. Obviously, Jesus is the number one example, but Gandhi, Martin Luther King. You look at people who've changed the world in so many different ways. It wasn't because they stood there with a gun and, or wanted to kill someone or call them names. It was because they, they tried to express their views in love. And that's what we need to do. Number three, draw on the power of Jesus. The only way that you're going to accomplish what I'm describing here, the only way to become more like Jesus Christ um, is to draw on the power of Christ. This, this is the only way to respond to every circumstance with, pa- with patience. You, you and I, in and of ourselves, our sinful nature is sometimes battling with our new nature. We're going to come up short. We need to draw on the power of Jesus Christ in order to be set apart in this area of love. And not be caught up with the world and everything the world is saying and doing. So, all right. So, patience is a choice to love someone in spite of the, of, of the circumstances. Patience is choosing to love someone in spite of the circumstances to endure and persevere through trying times. And now, some of you might be thinking, okay, Pastor Jeff, here, here's what I'm hearing a little bit. It sounds like you're asking us to be a doormat. Uh, to take a beating and to accept, just accept my circumstances for what they are. Just kind of sit back and accept my circumstances. Let me, let me try my best to explain a little bit more of what I'm trying to, what, what I'm trying to get across before we go on to our next point. Um, anger is not the key to any door. You think the more angry you get, you stand up and you tell those people and you let them know it. Anger is not the key to any door. You want to open up a door, you want to change something, you want to move forward. Anger is not the key to any door. And let me, let me also explain this. Patience, because you think, well, what you're saying is patience. I don't like patience because it puts me in a position where I feel like a doormat and I'm letting people get away with all these kinds of things. Patience is not about avoid, avoiding what needs to be said and what needs to be done. Patience, my friends, is about waiting for the right moment to say it. It's about, not about avoiding what needs to be said. It's about finding the right moment and honestly finding the right attitude in which to say it. Instead of someone coming to you and they say something, they, they're just, man, they, you relatives, there are certain relatives or certain friends or certain whatever people in the office, certain people at school, whatever the case may be, and they know how to push your button. And all God is saying is there's, there is a time and a place to stand back and say, hey, that's what you said was inappropriate. Here's why I'm feeling the way I'm, but not to just react immediately. There is a place. It's waiting for the right moment Okay, to say what needs to be said. 
Every one of you understands this. We get into a conflict with someone in our family, our husband, our wife, our kids, whatever else, and we, we're not patient, and we, we get angry, and we lash out with our words that we have to come back later on and apologize for. Or if we don't apologize, we put a rift in our relationship. This is what God is talking about when he's talking about patience. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 also talks about kindness. What is kindness? Well, if patience is about the attitude, kindness is about our actions. It's an action. It's about putting feet to our faith. It's about putting hands to our love. It's about, you know, it's really making, making this come alive. One of the best places to see kindness, okay, in, in action is Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. Love this. If you would, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me, or I'll be up on the board here, up on the screen too, to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30. All right? Um, As we look at this passage, we're going to look at four lessons that we can learn about kindness. Four lessons that we can learn about kindness. Luke chapter 10, 30 through 33 says this. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to that place... And he passed by the place and saw him. He passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. First lesson, we need to be able to see the needs that are all around us. Jesus tells us that when the priest and the Levite came down the road and they saw him, they, they went by him. He said they passed by on the other side. Oh, there's a guy over there kind of walking across the road. When I lived in Massachusetts, it was so funny sometimes. If you're walking down the, the, the sidewalk towards someone, people would literally cross the road sometimes to get on the other side, not to have to have any kind of greeting with you. I'm not saying that people in Massachusetts are all rude and nasty and everything, but I, it was absolutely amazing to me coming from a, a background sometimes where people love to interact. There was much more of a, they would literally pass, go on the other side of the street in order not to have to get the, how you doing, nod, whatever else. It was amazing. These guys passed by on the other side, but the Samaritan, when he saw this man, he recognized the need. He saw the man and he recognized the man's need. Kindness, kindness begins with the eyes. We're talking about how do we love other people, showing them patience, showing them love is patient, love is kind. Kindness starts with the eyes. Kindness means being, being sensitive to another person. To, to what their needs are, being sensitive to their needs, responding, not only being sensitive, but actually physically responding to that person's needs, whether it's verbally responding, physically responding. Kindness is putting, again, the hands and the feet to our love. The second lesson we learn is that there, that there must be sympathy for another person's pain. This is what we learn from this. There needs to be sympathy, and sometimes, if you will, empathy, if you've been to that situation, for the other person's pain. When he saw the man's needs, Jesus says that this, this Samaritan took pity on him. He had compassion for this other person. He sympathized with the other person's condition. He saw what, he, what was, he saw with his eyes, okay? So he was able to see with his eyes. He responded. He had sympathy for the other person. 
person. Jesus is telling us that in order for us to grow in the area of patience and kindness, we must see the needs. We must see the needs of other people. We need to listen to their hearts. See their needs. Be sympathetic. Listen to the person's heart. We genuinely need to listen to people, not just pretend to be polite. And I'm not going to pick on this because this is more of a social thing. How are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? Even if you, if you just, you could have just lost your, someone clearly close to you and someone says, how you doing? Fine. And what love is, what kindness is when, and this happens every once in a while. It's probably happened to you. It's happened to me multiple times. I'll say to someone, hey, how you doing? I don't know these people. Hey, how are you? And then, and they'll actually start telling you, well, you know, I'll tell you what, my love, love. And one time this happened to me in Virginia and I almost, it was like my heart. I was like, I didn't, I don't really care. I mean, I don't, don't think of me as mean or anything, but I was on vacation, and I was, hey, we're in, we were walking past each other at some flea market thing, and how are you? And the person started telling me. <laughs> I was like, hey, i got to see all this junk that's laid out here. I don't have time to listen to you tell me your story. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, hey, I mean, you asked. Listen. So I started listening. About 10 or 15 minutes, the person went on about the ailments and losing someone, being lonely. And I was like, wow, this is so much more valuable than looking at some piece of junk that I shouldn't even buy, most likely. You know what I mean? And that's what, that's what kindness, that's what we're talking about with kindness. Listening takes time. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E, Exactly. Time, giving the person the time. The priest and the Levite saw the man, okay, just like the Samaritan. They saw him, but they, they did not give him the time of day. They would not give up their time to care for his needs. The Samaritan listened to his heart and responded to the man in love. We need to accept, listen, we need to accept people for who they are and celebrate those people we have disagreements with. We need to celebrate them as unique creations of God. I made totally and utterly, I was, I, as a youth pastor, I remember getting into really deep conversations with like witches and warlocks and things like that, you know? And I didn't, I didn't agree with anything they said, but you know what? I love them because they're creating the image of God. I don't need to agree with anything they were saying. The foundation of our conversation was based upon the fact they're created in the image of God, whether they recognize it or not, and I should love them. And that's the way I went into those conversations. The Samaritan could have easily just walked by, could have walked away, could have easily done that. And I'll tell you why he could have just easily done that, because he was looked down upon by the person he went and actually helped. I can't get into the details now. We don't have the time. But the Jews hated the Samaritans. They hated each other. Okay, take take our take our political uh, landscape right now and just increase it by a hundred. The that Mer- Jews and Samaritans hated each other, but somehow the Samaritan is the one who stops and invests in the person who needs the help. The priest and the Levite didn't do that. He did. He saw the need. He had. He saw the need. He had sympathy for the man that he saw in the ditch because he was created in the image of God. Listen, he did not have an us and them mentality. This is what Jesus is saying. 
Go study Jews and Samaritans and then put that in perspective of our lives now. And I'm telling you, when it comes to our political landscape or our social landscape, he did not have an us and them mentality. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. We need to love. We need to have an attitude of love. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in, 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 in this way, you will, be, you, will, you will fulfill the law of Christ. By responding with love, the Samaritan carried the burdens of this man. Now, verse 34 says, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Now, Pastor David, where's Pastor David? Pastor David is going to come on up and he's going to be talking to us about the third lesson that we can learn. Then I'm going to close us out with the fourth. So uh, it took about over half an hour to print this document this morning. I've been working on it uh, for the last three, four days on my laptop. I thought I'd get you a little bit earlier. When I try to unlock the door, at the church. Now, these are problems that we don't have in South Africa. Uh, the key would not even go in. It was frozen solid. <laughs> so I was blowing on the door lock, and my hand got stuck. This is a true story, to the door. And it was interesting. I was sitting out there on my laptop trying to get signal from the Wi-Fi outside the church building to send to my phone so I could at least have it on my, on my phone and look at it. But in any case, managed to sort it out. Um, so a third lesson, now that I've derailed the whole sermon, um, third lesson is to seize the moment. And uh, there's a, a Roman poet, Horace, that wrote this. And he, he seized the day, carpe diem. And if you directly translate that Roman, that Latin of seize the day, the truest form is he wrote plaque the day. And that word plaque, if you look at the word plaque, it is the, the definition is to abruptly see something or quickly see something from its place. So it, there's intentionality. You're not focused on anything else. You grab that thing and you take it and, you, and, you, and you're so focused intently on it. And, you know, the other, the other thing I think of when I think of the word plaque, I think of taking a, a fruit, a juicy fruit, a plum off the tree. And right there and then I'm so focused on that thing, I don't care about anything else. I don't care where the next fruit's coming from. So I mention these things um, because I, I think of the opportunities to, to help people, to love people as, as seizing that fruit. And you quickly do it. You're focused on that. You're not focused on anything else. Um, so they just keep that in your mind as I work through things here. Um, you know, we, we don't wait. We don't delay. And to be kinder, to be a kinder person like the Samaritan, you know, Jeff's touched on this, is you must be willing to be interrupted. And it's so difficult to, if, if you're not in the right frame of mind, if you're focusing so much on yourself, what it comes down to, as he was speaking, I kept thinking, there's a pastor called Paul Tripp, and he wrote a book called Awe. And it's been one of the most significant books that I've read in, in, for me in my life. And he talks about how we have this awe on ourselves, and it's our kingdom and not God's kingdom. And when you're so focused on yourself, it becomes very difficult to see the opportunities, to see the fruit that God has put out there, his opportunities for you to grab, because you, you don't even have time to even see those opportunities, let alone grab them, because you're so focused on yourself. And and I, I often remind myself of that as I'm, as I'm going through life, because of this book, because of this, this awe, almost on a daily basis, I go, Lord, where's my awe? Is it on you or is it on myself? 
And, uh, you know, when you focus on God, he allows you, he puts you in a position to, to start seeing these opportunities. And opportunity, grabbing opportunity equals time. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. If you want to, to be able to look for opportunities to love others, you need to have, a couple of weeks, months ago, Jeff spoke about having margin in your life. Um, when you focus on God, you're able to focus uh, or, or on things that are more important. The hymn writer said, cast your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And when you focus on God, those things in your life that are so important start becoming less and less important he starts, you start being more aware of the opportunities that are, that are given to you and, and you start wanting to actually see those things through because my plans are now not so important and I haven't so, so fully developed my plan and my day and my week and my month and my years ahead that to stop and help someone is a complete inconvenience to me. Now my focus is that I'm looking for those opportunities. It's just a, a really big difference. So, you know, if you look at, at the being willing to be interrupted, Christ did this continuously. How many times, if you look at the story of Christ, he was busy with someone, and, and someone grabbed a cloak, or, uh, Lord, this person has died, and, and, and he, he jumps to the occasion. So the lesson there is be spontaneous. Don't be so set in your ways and your plans that you can't afford yourself the opportunity to even look at anything else. Mm -hmm. Be prepared to be spontaneous. Um, if we take a look early on in the chapter, Luke 10, verses 2, it says that the harvest is many, but the workers are full. And uh, Sorry, few, not full. I wish they were full. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities there, but we, we don't even see ourselves. We can't even be harvesters of that fruit because of that that inability to be interrupted. It frustrates us. It makes us angry. So, you know, this, the seize of the day is um, focusing on God, focusing on God's kingdom, not your kingdom. So the more you focus on God, the more you focus on people. He allows you to, to, to do that. You start doing that. And if I've got to take a look at my own life, when I start helping others, I seem to start helping myself even more. You know, the things that, are, that I'm so focused on and so set in my ways, when I, when I help others, I'm not so focused on my things and they're not so important. And I, I'm telling you, through the Lord's wisdom, He allows you to, to unravel those things in your life by being other-focused and Christ-focused. So, uh, you know, we, if we take a look at um, the Samaritan you must also be willing to take risks. This guy wasn't so, so focused on himself that he, you know, he couldn't, for him it wasn't a thing of going, I can't stop here. Maybe these, these guys have laid this trap for me and as I help this guy, um, you know, the, the others are going to attack me. He was able to be self-sacrificial. He put himself out there, mm -hmm. was willing to take the risk to help this guy and didn't, didn't have much concern for his own life in that mm -hmm. situation. Obviously, you do that with, with wisdom and with distraction, uh, discretion. But, you know, if I take a look at how many wounds people have in life today, 
often we don't want to take the risks to help others because of the wounds that we have got in our lives. And it takes vulnerability to help other people. So be prepared to take those risks and look how God starts healing those wounds in your life mm-hmm. through being focused on, on other people. Um, and if we take a look at uh, the second part of verse 34 to 35, if you'll turn there with me, uh, it says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on, oil, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. All right. Now, um, <laughs> I can't do it as well as he can. Uh, now you have to, it, what's funny is the accent, right? So your, your brain is now, this helps you. We're helping you here. All right, to be more holistic in your in your in, with your brain, um, just listen listen to different languages. I love it. Um, all right, so the last lesson is that uh, the good Samaritan had to really count the cost. So there was al- there's always a cost to kindness. I'd love to say there's not, but there is always a cost to kindness. True kindness is giving something to someone without expecting anything in return. This encounter cost the Good Samaritan, okay? This encounter, it cost him. Jesus tells us that the Samaritan took the person, put him on his own donkey, took him to the inn, and then gave the person two silver coins. These silver coins, one coin was worth a day's wage, okay? An entire day's wage. So he took the money that he had, his own money, and he left two silver coins there to pay for the person's ongoing care. When was the last time you or I spent two days' wages helping someone out who is in need who's not a family member? Think about that. That's what he did. It cost him something. There's a cost to kindness. There is a cost to kindness, whether it's your time or your talents or your treasures. You're going to have to give if you're going to impact people's lives. To truly love someone else, you have to offer them a part of yourself. If you're talking about love. This morning, as we, as we, as we learn how to love and be patient and how to be, how to be kind, we need to ask ourselves, honestly ask ourselves, this, these questions. Do I love my neighbor? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Do I love God with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind and all of my strength? Do we love people with the right attitude And through our actions, are we loving people? Are we being patient? Are we being kind through our attitudes and our actions? So uh, last week I gave you homework. It was to sit down, right, with someone, a person in your family, look them right in the eye and listen to what they're saying to you. Invest in them. Invest your time in them. This morning I have a different homework, some more homework. If you didn't do last week's homework, now you have to do two things this week. It's going to pile up on you. All right. This week's homework is to love one, just love one person in a very practical and tangible way. Um, sh- some act or some gift of love that will impact that person's life. That's what I would like you to do. Find one person, 
love them in a very practical, very practical, patience, right, kindness, love them in a very practical and tangible way. Think through how you could do that. It doesn't have to be someone you know. It could be anyone. What this means is I have to see the need, right? First, I have to see the need. Then I have to sympathize with that person's pain. You see someone on the road, side of the road. You see someone in a restaurant. You see whatever the case may be. I see the need. I sympathize with that person's pain. And then I seize the moment. I take advantage of that moment. Seize the moment. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to learn how to love each other more. I pray, dear God, that each one of us would walk out of here today and put into practice what we have learned. This country, our country that we love so much, needs people who are going to be patient and kind with each other, who are going to respond with love when they get hatred toward them, who are going to step out of their comfort zone, who are going to rise above what is going on around them and show the kind of Christ-like love that will transform people's lives. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Love you and have a great week.